0: At the beginning, Ma. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. All right. Um, All right. Now we're okay. Are we? I can't hear myself. No, I've got some nose up there. They they want to hear me. (laughs) All right. That's uh, that better? There you go. Okay. I've got all these papers here. I'm trying to get in order too. So, Um, you know, at the beginning of any journey it can be confusing. A lot of uh, moving parts, a lot of uh, things going on, especially when you have a lot of people. Any of you have been on mission trips where you have a big group and it's just like herding cats. I mean it's, it's difficult to, to go on a journey together. When we traveled overseas, I, I always told my family, we need three things. We actually need the four things. If we have these three things, and I'll change that to four, we're okay. We can make this journey if we just have four things. And the first one were, uh, was our tickets. Back a long time ago, you had paper tickets, <laughs> all right? Now, nowadays, you really don't have to worry about that anymore. You can just, they're electronic tickets. But do I have my tickets? Second thing I said is, do we have some money? I mean, if we had some money, if we got stuck, we can, you know, we, and it, that's always in a credit card. So if we have money, so we have our tickets, we have money, and we have to have our passports. Ask Clyde Jones. He forgot his passport once coming to Fiji. Guess what? They didn't let him go. He had to, he had to get the express shipped you know, to California to, uh, to come to Fiji. But you have to have your passport. And so if I said, if we have those th- three things and we lose our luggage, we lose everything else, we can make the journey. So we just have to have the basics. You know what the fourth one is? We need each other. You know, if I lost one of my kids, I couldn't say, oh, I'm still going to go on my journey. You know, (laughs) leave that one behind. Now, on some mission trips, I can think of a few I wanted to leave behind. (laughs) But, you know, but, but we didn't. And we don't really, you know, we wouldn't want to leave them behind. We would want to find that lost sheep and bring them. So we're on this journey together. And I've had several, not a whole lot, but I've had several people go, I'm a little confused. It's like what are we supposed to be doing, and this and that, and, you know, a little bit uh, confused. And so I'm going to try and make it real simple, get down to our, what's the bare necessities that you can make this journey with? And uh, in your bulletin, it's in there somewhere, it has, has a list of things and what we're doing. But let me just make it as simple as I possibly can. The elders want us to go together on a journey. It's a spiritual journey. We're not going physically anywhere, but it's a spiritual journey. And this first direction, there's four directions. You see five up here, but there's going to be basically four directions. And all you have to think about right now, this quarter through March is one direction, and that direction is upward. If you forget everything else on your journey, and you remember that one word, upward, then you're going to get the gist of what we're trying to do. And the elders and, the, and the, the rest of the leaders of this congregation and the rest of the spiritually mature in this congregation want us to grow in our relationship with God. Want us to grow in this, what we're calling upward, our relationship with God. And all these other things are aids that list, you know, some teachers are following um, a guideline, some of you are following the, the, uh, the memory verses and the scriptures and the words. And these, these little cards are great. You know, you have them and, and you have um, some thoughts that you can use or not use or put on your fridge or put in your Bible that gives us that focus word. And that's what is done now each Sunday. I think we're calling it a journey thought or a journey point that um, I almost called you Ed. Ed. Uh, that Jim did this morning, each Sunday we're going to have this thought that says, okay, there's one word that we just kind of want to focus on this week. And we want to think about that. And what was the word this morning? No, what? Reverence. Reverence. But he's like, oh, but I made a mistake. It was supposed to be humility. Well, you get a D po- plus. No. You know, it was great. It's okay. He, so we mess. I'm going to mess up. All right, we're all going to mess up on our journey, but the point is, he still was focusing on what? Upward. And that's what we want to do. How is your relationship uh, going? How is your relationship growing with God this year? That's our concern. And guess what? When March ends, we are no longer going to be concerned about your relationship with God. <laughs> no. <laughs> when March ends, we want that to continue. Well, we're just going to have a different focal point for another three months. But we want your relationship to God to continue to grow, to continue to mature, to continue to be enhanced by what we do as a church and what we do together. Now, what's going to happen when I'm in the pulpit? I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to be trying to keep us on track. I want to keep us on focus And the way we're doing this is we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. All year long, and it doesn't surprise you that I could take one book and go for a year, but in all year long, we're going to look at this book of Ephesians. And this first quarter, we will see particularly the the direction, this upward direction that we're going to be looking at. Um, I'm studying this book anew. I've studied it in the past. I'm studying it anew. I don't know where, it's, I, I, I kind of look at it as we're going through a cave. We don't know wh- which direction the cave is going to bring us. We're kind of, you know, searching and seeing what the scriptures tell us. We're letting the spirit lead us through this. And so I'm restudying Ephesians once again, and I'm looking at this and seeing where the spirit leads us, particularly in this, I didn't say that right, particularly, I can't even say that, in, in uh In this direction of upward, this quarter. So that's what we're going to be doing. Ephesians. We're going to look at Ephesians. Turn your, you can go ahead and turn your Bible there. And the descriptions of this book, if you've ever ever read other people talking about Ephesians, it's, it's almost poetic. Poetic descriptions. They call this, here's some, the queen of the epistles. The crown of Paul's writings. Marvelous! The most profound book in all the Bible are just a few of the descriptions. And there's many, many more as people r- try to describe this marvelous, beautiful, wonderful book. Personally, it changed my thinking and my way of life 30 years ago. And I've shared this with you. And I know some of you weren't here and some of you may have forgotten this. But I, about 30 years ago, living here in Huntsville, working with Central Church before we went to Fiji, I committed for six months I was going to read the book of Ephesians. I don't know why I chose that. I don't know why I chose the book of Ephesians and why I thought about reading it every day for six months. But I said, I'm going to read it every day for six months in one reading. I wasn't going to read parts of it, but just sit down, find 20 to 30 minutes. That's all it takes to read through this, and I would read it in in different translations. And I started thinking of it, and it struck me in a personal and very specific way. Uh, I had to read through it for a couple of months before I kind of forgot about what everyone else told me about the book. Because a lot of times people say, well, this is what the book's about, and so you see that. But I just wanted to read it for what, what Paul was saying. And it hit me one day, and I could take you to the table or the area of the table that I was sitting in at the public library, da- right here, downtown public main library, where I was sitting when it just, it was like one of those uh, f- bright flashlight, or br- br- little fly- light bulbs, that's what they are, <laughs> light bulb moments. Where it hit me, and, and I always describe this, it was like an angel was sitting behind me or standing behind me. And he finally said, you're not going to get this unless I slap you up against the head. And he whacked me so the light could come into my mind and I could see, oh, that's what Ephesians is all about. That's what Paul is saying. And so it was, it's a wonderful book. And we're going to explore this together, and I think you're going to find it a great um, book for you. There's a running theme throughout this book, and it's God. God the Father. I want to start out by saying that if you have a negative image about God, let this letter pour throughout your life. We're talking about our relationship with God, this upward direction. And as you think about that, if you have a poor, negative, bad image of God the Father, this book can help you. This letter can change your life. It can change the way you think. It's first and foremost a letter about God. He's the focal point of this letter. We see God at work throughout history in this letter so that our relationship with him will be real, will be a reality. This will enhance your relationship with God. If you want an upward relationship to grow, this is the place to go. One writer said it this way, if read receptively... It is a bombshell. And the bombshell, I believe, is the life-changing insights of who God is, what his plans are, what his purposes are, and how this all profoundly affects you individually and affects us as a group. You see this in the first two verses. That's all we're going to look at today. The first two verses will sum up the entire book. Uh, it's, it's more than just a greeting. I, I shared this with you when we looked at Second John, and I, we looked at the, the beginning, the second, the uh, introduction, and I said, "This is more than just a letter, a formal letter, way they wrote letters. Paul wrote this, but he has something to say. Let's read verse one and verse two together, where he says, "Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus." The faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, it's God-centered. It's Christ-focused. God, you cannot cannot miss God in those first two verses. God is mentioned, Jesus is mentioned several times. In fact, one-third of the words in in, in, in those two verses either say God, God the Father, Christ, or Jesus. And this phrase, he says, by the will of God. This, this particular place, Paul that uh, uh, this particular place on the will of God is talking about Paul's position, he being an apostle. But it, he talks about God's will in other places, and it affects us, and this affects us also. But the question is, God's will. What's God's desire? What does God want? Because if you know God's desire, you know God's heart. If you discover the will of God, you discover the heart of God. And so if we discover and see what the will and the desire of God is, we'll see who God is. We'll see his will. We'll see his heart. We'll see, his, we'll see how he looks at us and how he, how he um, holds us in his mind. If you... On the other hand, have a shallow and maybe a skewed view of God, and I know many people do. If you believe that the will of God is wrapped up in anger and punishment, you will be amazed if you will listen to this letter. As you explore Ephesians, you'll be amazed at God's will. It will change how you look at God. And then he says, of Jesus Christ. And he says, of and in Christ and from Christ, all in these two verses. And we could, we could take a lesson on each one of those prepositions. But he says, I'm not my own messenger, Paul says. I am the messenger, the apostle of Christ. And so, in the same way, we do not speak of our own, by our own authority. When I say with confidence, you will get to know God, your relationship with God will be enhanced. You will see the heart of God. I speak not from my own authority. I speak from the authority of the Word of God, of Christ Jesus. These are the words of Christ. These are the words of God. And so I can read it and I can see it and I can encourage you and say, God will change your life when you look at these verses. We are shaped by His Word. And so that's why it's important to center our thoughts and our teachings around the words of Christ. He says, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, if you have a poor image of father, if you were raised in a home where your father was absent or abusive or not a good father in some way, do do not reflect that image on God the Father. And I say this with kindness, and I say this trying to be sensitive, but your father's image it's no excuse for how you look at God the Father. The Word of God can reshape your thinking, reshape your th- thoughts. So when you think of Father, it'll be a good thought. It'll be a great thought. And so let the Word of God change your thinking. And it, it, it may be a process for you. It may be difficult for you. I'm not saying any of those things. But you need to retrain your mind. Let the Word of God retrain your mind to see what Father is like. There's a beautiful quote, it's a little bit long, that I want to read to you, but he said it so much better than I can say it, so I just wanted to read this to you. It's from Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he says, the Bible is God's book. It is a revelation of God, and our thinking must always start with God. Much of the trouble in the church today is due to the fact that we are so subjective, so interested in ourselves, so egocentric, having forgotten God And having become so interested in ourselves, we become miserable and wretched. The message of the Bible from beginning to end is designed to bring us back to God, to humble us before God, and to enable us to see our true relationship with him. And that is the great theme of this epistle. It holds us face to face with God and what God is and what God has done. It emphasizes throughout The glory and greatness of God, God the eternal one, God the everlasting, God over all, and the indescribable glory of God. Here Paul says as we enter this letter that the grace and peace that comes from God and is from our Lord Jesus Christ. And he fleshes this out in the rest of the letter. Grace and peace. Ephesians can be summed up in these two words. Grace and peace. Grace is more than a greeting. It's more than a name. I love the name grace. I have a little granddaughter who has that name attached to her, one of her four names. But it's more than that. This is a concept that captured the thinking and the actions of Paul. He began every letter with the word grace. And listen, he ended every letter with grace. And I checked that out. I went through every letter of Paul. He begins with grace and he ends with grace, everything. And guess what? He sprinkles grace throughout the whole, all of his letters. He doesn't sprinkle it. He adds a lot of it. 164 times he puts grace in between the bookends of grace. Do you think he was, um, that he was uh, enamored by grace, that it captured his thinking? Of course. And it should do the same for us. What do you think about all day long? I've, I've, I've talked to you about this before. What do you think about all day long? What you think about will determine your attitude. What you think about determines the direction of your life. And if our mind is centered on grace and really what it means, it will change the way you think. It will change the way you live. If you want to improve your mental state, if you say, well, I'm depressed, I'm down, I'm whatever. I'm negative, I'm... Frustrated, think about grace. Concentrate on grace. And I'm not saying just say grace, 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 grace over again. I'm saying begin to explore what grace is and the meaning of grace and, the, and what it, how it attaches to God and all these things. And that will change the way you think. And this only happens, first of all, when we realize what we've been rescued from. You're not going to pre- appreciate gra- grace if you minim- minimize sin. Ah, uh, everyone does it. It's okay. It's my, I just have little sins. I've called them misdemeanor sins. Other people may commit the felony sins, but I just, the misdemeanor sins aren't so bad. And if you don't understand the depth from which you have come, you will not be able to mar- marvel at the height that God has brought you. So that's the first step is just see where you are. Gift, uh, just a quick definition. Gift, grace is a gift we don't deserve. Grace is love extended to the unlovely. It's kindness given to those who do not deserve kindness. Grace is riches given to the beggarly poor. Health given to the incurable sickness. Forgiveness extended to those who deserve punishment. And then he attaches to grace peace. Because grace and recognizing grace in your life will lead you... a life of peace. You've got to start with grace, and it will lead you to a life of peace. And peace is more than an absence of strife. It is an absence of strife, but it's more than that. It comes from a word that means union. It means a bringing together. It means tying all the different parts into a whole, bringing all the, the parts that are scattered and bringing them into a whole. It's taking them all together, joining them together, reconciliation. That's what peace means. It's a relationship with God. It's bringing inward calmness when the world around you is falling apart. Peace with God produces peace of God ruling in our hearts. I shared with you in in, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, this word rule. The, the peace of God rules our hearts. And this is what it means. It's an a umpire, a referee blowing his whistle. When you move away from the love of God, when you move away from the will of God, his whistle blows. His, and he says, stop, don't do that because you're going to lose your peace. You're going to, you're, you're not going to have this peace. So come back into this relationship with, with, with me. Grace and peace recognizes our position in Christ. It recognizes who we are how we are to live, where we're going, where we've come from. And we'll see all this as we go through Ephesians. Who we are. He gives us two things here. This is our identity uh, that, that's formed by who God says we are. Who are you? You know, I, well, I can't remember the name of the group now. Who sings who? Who is who. Who sings who are you, right? Right. <laughs> but... But they're asking the question, well, who are you? And the answer is God tells you who you are. If you listen to God and God says something, that's who you are, whether you feel like it or not. And he calls them first saints. In the world, this is an especially good person, as a very, maybe a super Christian, but that's not the way the world is used in the Bible. Saint means a set-apart one, a holy one. When an object was used in temple worship in the Old Testament, they would take a pot, a bowl, a a, a container, a a, a goblet, and they would set that apart. And they had a, a process of doing that that I won't go into that would set it apart and say, it is now holy. It is set apart. But it was still a cup. It was still a bowl. It didn't change its form. And in the same way, Christians are set apart, but you're still real. You're still a real person. You have real emotions. You have real struggles. You have real joy. You have real pain. It's not you put those things aside and say, now that I'm a saint, now that I'm a super Christian, I can't get disappointed. I can't be hurt. I can't... No, all the... You're still a real person. But now you are a saint. You are holified by God. You're set apart, number one, from your guilt. If you're in Christ, there is no reason for you to be get, feel guilty. You're set apart from your sin because your sins have been washed away. It means you're no longer in union or in step with the world, but you're in union and in step with God. You're separate in the way you think. You think differently from the world. The world thinks a certain way. You are thinking a different way. Their outlook on the world is different than your outlook on the world. The grace of God changes you. And it becomes evident, evident in your speech, your demeanor, and your actions. And I know all of us say, well, I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. Ephesians shows us how to advance in this grace of maturity. How we, we become more sanctified. We, we become more holy. We're growing. We're maturing in Christ. We put these things into action in Ephesians shows us how to do that. None of us are where we want to be, but we're on the road to sainthood, or on the road in sainthood. But we're also faithful, and this word means believing ones. This, This means those who are exercising faith, those who are exercising trust. And it's not contrasting a faithful Christian to an unfaithful Christian. It's not using it in that sense, but it's just saying, you are the believing ones, And we all are the believing ones. We do have faith. We are exercising our faith. And sometimes we exercise poorly and sometimes we exercise well. But we exercise our faith. And we can all look at our lives and we see our weaknesses and our unfaithfulness. But amid the struggles, we can say, as believing ones, I believe. But Lord, help my unbelief. And that's where we all are. Grace includes salvation, but it's much more. It's an ongoing action on the part of God that enables his children to live correctly. Grace is God's power working in our lives, changing us, molding us to become more like his son. It is his spirit at work in us, keeping us in a relationship of perfect peace. In Ezekiel, he prophesied this relationship And and the we could go into detail which we want, but in Ezekiel chapter 37 he says, talking I believe about today, the new covenant. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers. They're all over the world now, not just in Israel, but those who's made this everlasting covenant with, they're everywhere. And I will put my sanctuary among them forever. Don't think about a physical building. What's that song we used to sing? Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. We changed the words in Fiji. Lord, uh, we, we changed it to not prepare me, but, be, but that I am a sanctuary. We t- sang how we are the sanctuary. I will put my sanctuary among them forever. Here's the sanctuary right here. Not this building, but the people. In this building, my dwelling place will be with them forever. That's where God dwells in you. I will be their God. They will be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord. I, the Lord, make Israel holy, but my sanctuary is among them forever. We ended the month of December. We took the month of December to go through the Aaronic priestly blessing. Numbers chapter 6. And one thing I tried to pull out in that blessing was the character of God. We saw the character of God in this blessing. We saw his grace and peace that he gives to all of us. And as we look through Ephesians and as you go through your personal study and your upward quest to God, you're going to see God in a clearer and better picture. This priestly blessing, go ahead and put that up on the screen. This priestly blessing, every morning, the priest would say this. They would say this over the, um, over the uh, people of Israel. And then during the day, as they met each other, they would use a part of this to greet one another. And I believe the reason was that That God wanted people to know and to be reminded, not only on a daily basis, but on every time you met a fellow believer, that God's peace, God is working in our life. God is blessing us. God is involved in what we're doing. And they were to keep that thought in front of their minds all day. When the priest would say this blessing, he would give a physical sign. And you'll recognize it. See if I can do it. I do it with my left hand better than my right hand. You know Spock? Isn't that kind of a Spock sign? Some of you who are Star Trek really crazy know better than me. But it's something like this. He was raised by Ukrainian Jewish parents. He probably saw the priest in synagogue do this. And so when he became Spock, he... If I, what does he say? Some, I know someone in this audience knows what he's saying. Well, live long and prosper. Okay, see, I knew. We've got some Star Trek. Well, he took that. He took that from here. But there's a reason they did this. Let's see if I can do this. It's because it represents, and I've seen it d- separate, d- done different ways. They put their hands like this and over their head and up here like this, just different ways. But the point of that is the... Hebrew letter shin. It's the first letter in the word Shaddai. El Shaddai. The almighty one. And so when this blessing occurred, the priest would put his hands over the people and remind them this is El Shaddai. What hurts? This is El Shaddai. This is Shaddai blessing you and speaking to you. The priest would take a prayer shawl and put it over his head. I thought about bringing one, but I don't have a prayer shawl, and I didn't want to offend anyone by getting a blanket. <laughs> but the prayer shawl was put over his head, and it symbolized, I am under the authority of God. I speak by God's authority. I'm not speaking by my own authority. And I want you to remember that it should Shaddai who is speaking. And he would say, Yeva Resheka, Adonai, Beiishmereka. The Lord bless you and keep you. Ya'er Adonai, I can say that I can read better than I can hold my hands. Ya'er Adonai, panaveleka Behu Neka. May the Lord make His face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. Yisha Adonai, Panave leka, Yehashim leka, shalom. The Lord turn His face towards you, and give you peace. And as we have entered this journey, I want us to keep this in front of us too. And to realize that this journey is not a journey of stress. It's not a journey of, oh, I've got to go through this. Uh, I, I have to get close to God, and I'm just not. But it's a journey of peace. It's a journey of blessing. It's a journey where God's face is shining upon you. It's a journey where his grace is poured upon you. And it's a journey that will give you peace. May God bless us on this journey together. Our elders will come up. They will share with you. You can share with them anything you have, the, have need to uh, share with them if you need to. If you are a person who is not of peace, not in this relationship with God, and you have faith in Christ and you know it by coming to him in repentance and immersion, your sins could be wa- washed away, and you will have this peace. We invite you to come as we stand and we sing this.